Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, Vic, do you think you might have ADHD? Well, listeners keep emailing me telling me that they think I do, so probably. Mind you, listeners also email us saying we talk too much about your mum's feet. So what do they know? Yeah, fair enough. I honestly had no idea about the connection between overdrinking and ADHD until we started this podcast. About 40% of people that have had any sort of drinking issues also apparently have ADHD. Whenever we chat to ex-drinkers, this comes up more than you'd believe. If you have ADHD or suspect you might or just want to learn about this link, then we would encourage you to check out the I Have ADHD podcast. It's the place where adults with ADHD find research-based information, validation and tons of support. This is the best way to feel less alone and hear some of the answers to the questions you've been sitting with for too long. You'll hear detailed descriptions of what it means to have ADHD and enjoy interviews with the foremost experts in the industry so that you don't have to read those ADHD books that are collecting dust on your shelf. Yeah. Listen to the I Have ADHD podcast and learn how ADHD affects every aspect of your life. From the boardroom to the bedroom. In the podcast, you'll also hear about their ADHD coaching program, which is called Focused. Focused is made up of three pillars, courses, coaching and community. It is designed to help you build your own self-improvement program and is perfect for the ADHD brain. And you can get $50 off the course just by using the code SOBER, S-O-B-E-R. So if you're tired of feeling stuck and don't know where to start, listen to the I Have ADHD podcast. This episode of Sober Awkward is brought to you by leading grey area drinking coach Sarah Rusbatch. Find out more about Sarah's incredible April alcohol-free challenge later in the show. The kettle's boiled, Vic. Great. Perfect timing. Just a dash of milk for me, please, mate. Here you go. Shall we get started then? Have you ever woken up on a Sunday morning and said, I'm never drinking again, and then found yourself waving 50 bucks at a barman by happy hour? Are you wondering why everyone else can stop at one, while you head to a dodgy after-party with a weird bloke called Disco Dave? If so, it might be time to take a deeper look at your relationship with your reliable social crutch, alcohol. On each episode, we'll investigate our own dysfunctional dealings with booze and find out if it's possible to stop this deeply ingrained habit before things get too messy. Yep, we're going to open up a shame shed of humiliating drinking stories to help you understand why waking up from a booze coma each weekend with a kebab sticking out of your top pocket might actually be negatively impacting your health. Hamish and I are here to delve into what it's like being sober, an unwanted warts and all look into why giving up those cheeky pints or putting down those mummy wines will make you feel happier, help your anxiety and mental health and turn you into the most sparkly authentic version of you. Won't that mean I become boring, though, Vic? Well, Hamish, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Hamish Adams-Cairns. And this is Sober Awkward. Right, Vic, you've got a weird dream you want to tell me about. Well, it's my favourite dream that I've ever had, actually. 
and I don't often tell it to people because everyone thinks how weird my brain must be. Okay, when, when, when did this happen? <laughs> well, it was a couple of years ago, but it's the, when someone asks me, have you ever had a weird dream? This is the one that comes to my head. Okay. And I'm in a campsite in France and Whitney Houston is in like an old Citroen mm-hmm. and she's got a caravan on the back and she's back in the caravan into a very tight space. <laughs> Okay. And I'm like, Whitney, Whitney, use your wing mirrors to the left, to the left. And she's like looking over her shoulder, spinning a steering wheel. Come on, Whitney, to the right, to the right. Right. <laughs> yeah, so that is my weirdest dream I've ever had as Whitney, Spe- Whitney Spears. Whitney Spears. <laughs> did, I Sorry, Britney, do- did I say Britney Spears? Whitney Houston. Oh, yeah, Whitney Houston. <laughs> Whitney Spears. Britney was in the back. <laughs> she was... <laughs> She was in the back dem- making demands. Ah. No, it was Whitney Houston, yeah. Did, she, did she make it in? Did, was it good reversal? That was a lot. She was a very good driver. She wasn't? No, 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 she was awful. Come on, Whitney. And when did it end? Like she parked and got out of the car or it just... No, no it just went on. It was going on and on of me just trying to guide yeah. her into the space. Oh, that is weird. Yeah, Has it recurred? Have you had that dream since? No, but I'd like to have it again. Wow, that's the dream you remember. Whitney Houston reversing car. Hamish, I remember my dreams every morning. Like, isn't it funny? I don't know why some people remember dreams and some people don't. But I can tell you a a dream that I've had. Like, first thing in the morning, if you say, which you often wake up next to me, don't you, Hamish? Yeah, usually, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, every morning. (laughs) What have you dreamt about? I can tell you. It's usually something to do with... Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston, yeah. (laughs) Are you even a Whitney Houston fan? Not really, no. Or are you a Citroen... You're not even a camping fan. No. So it's a singer you don't like in a location you rarely are. Yeah, I don't know what it's all about. It's It's got to be a sign. I often dream about snakes, and apparently that's a good thing. I often dream of snakes, yeah. Usually that's when John's trying to give me a special cuddle at night. (laughs) (laughs) Snake crawling up your back. Yeah, snakes and chipolatas. (laughs) Well, if anyone's listening and knows anything about dreams and yeah. wants to dissect Vic's brain through Whitney Houston reversing a Citroen, please get in touch. It we might be a here. long therapy session, that yeah. one, yeah. We can turn it into a whole podcast. Yeah, I think we yeah. probably could. <laughs> what, is Whitney, what does it mean, Whitney Houston back in a caravan into a car parking space? Well, I want to start this podcast by asking you a personal question, Vic. Oh. More personal than your weirdest dream. If you had nine hours of uninterrupted time in the bedroom with your husband... Would you use it for lovemaking or sleep? Sleep. Okay. You thought about that. <laughs> and I would tell my husband to probably sleep in the spare room if it was, yeah, because he's quite hairy and quite snorry. I'd probably turf him out. Right. Yeah. How about you? I think nine hours of lovemaking is beyond me. Nine seconds, more like, Amish. Yeah, that would be more my time frame on a good night. Um, <laughs> but certainly I think things change when you have a child, right? Mm. I think Sonny is about to turn nine months old, which basically means we've only slept through the night. I reckon, I reckon 10 times since Gosh, he was born. Yeah. And I reckon five of those were in the last week. And then you wake up, you're like, oh my God, are they all right? Are they yeah. alive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you worry if they sleep you, through the did night. Did you wake up? No, nor did I. <gasps> yeah. Oh my God, we had one of those nights. Yeah, well, scary. The, the, I don't know if I've told this story before, but the first night I was ever away from him was this wedding I went to in England. And Liz didn't go to the wedding. I did. It was in Wales, got trained there. Anyway, the um, I was quite excited. I was staying in a hotel. Oh, I rarely yeah. stay in a hotel. Night off. I got there the night before the wedding, so I knew that that night wasn't going to be a late night. And um, Liz gave me an iron pill. The, right. the, like the day of or the day before, hey, I had this iron pill. I've been feeling a bit low on energy. She right. always has iron pills. So she gave me this iron pill. Great. Off I went to the wedding. I had the runs for... 48 hours oh, I was no. up more during that night than I would have been if I'd been with Sonny 
no, that's yeah. so annoying. It was cruel, really is, cruel. Did she do it on purpose, do you that's think? That's what I think. I think she Treats, did, yeah. She's like, that's her way of teaching me to go to a wedding without Evil. Her. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, I didn't know that was a side effect. I've, I've read that magnesium pills can give you the runs. I guess you don't know until you try. What's well, going to give you the don't runs? Don't try would be my would be my advice. Okay. <laughs> Come to think of it, you usually have. Or is it always Sandy, your dog in the bed, and then always at least one of your three children? Sometimes you have three kids plus dog plus husband in your bed. Yeah. So when was the last time you slept in an empty-ish, other than maybe John, bed? It's very rare. I would say like hardly once ever. a year uh, once every few months I would say that everybody sleeps through <laughs> there's always something going on as the kind of sun goes down the night creatures come out to play it's quite frightening really John's better at sleeping with them because they, they wriggle around a lot and I'm not very good with wrigglers yeah. in the bed yeah. so I'm like oh god you've got to get them out because they're just being annoying but they come in there's nightmares there's bed wetting still I hear noises in the garden make John run around in the garden in the buff there's always something going on at night mm. at our house it's crazy and it's very annoying because I do often wake up feeling like I've had absolutely no sleep at all and we are all prone to having weird dreams. Actually, I must say quickly, my dad has the funniest dreams okay. that I've ever heard. So it's genetic. He dreamt that he invented something called scud running, <laughs> okay. which was when you dig your heels onto the ground and it sort of propels you forward. And he, he was like the world famous scud runner. Wow. Like his dreams are really specific. And my mum wakes up in the night because he's literally running like a marathon in yeah. bed. And once he woke up there on holiday in Spain or something, and my mum was like, Roger, what are you doing? Because he was crouched down behind the sunbed because he thought snipers were like shooting at him from the hotel rooftop. Like he acts out his dreams. Oh, so he's walking and... Yeah, he's okay. up and about, yeah. That's cool. Yes. I've always wondered if their eyes are open. If you sleepwalk, your eyes open or not? Well, funny enough, George <laughs> does sometimes walk in his sleep. And last night he was in the airing cupboard trying to make a drink of water. I was like, George, what are you doing? He's like, I'm making water. I'm like, you're in the airing cupboard. Get out. <laughs> so, but he did have his eyes open. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Scary. It's scary. It is scary. It's isn't like it? a zombie walking around. Yeah. I can yeah. remember being at a mate's house and he had a younger sister who had like white hair and very pale skin. So she oh, looked yeah. scary she anyway. She looked like a ghost. She looks like a ghost anyway. And she was younger than us. So she went to bed first. She had a cough at the time. Yeah. And I can remember we were in the kitchen playing cards and we heard her coughing at the top of the stairs so oh, yeah, she's obviously woken back up and then we saw her walk out of the front door oh, and I could see like, through the window I could just see her walking like across the gravel oh that's really White. scary yeah, yeah. And we went out there and just redirected her well you do hear these stories of people that sleepwalk and wander down the road yeah. and little toddlers wandering you know down into the village in the middle of the night and people finding them it's quite scary do really do you actually die if you get woken up from a sleepwalk no Can that's not say, true what's the rule what is it what actually Don't happens? wake someone up. I think you're just supposed to like kind of prod just them in the right direction, them, yeah. aren't you? Yeah. I don't think they die if you wake them up. I think that might be an old wives' tale. Uh, but yes, a lot of ideas come in my sleep. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and go, oh, I've had a really good idea yeah. for my book or for the podcast or something. And it's in that period between sleep and waking up that mm. my mind is kind of really creative. Yeah, I Weird. have heard that. Actually, I've heard, I listened to a podcast this week on sleep, actually. And it talked about how that's why a lot of musicians or artists, or whatever, will take marijuana or will take or something will write very, very late at night because you're sort of in that weird semi-lucid okay. state where a lot of ideas seem to get generated. Interesting. Which is bizarre. Yeah. Because, yeah, sleep is a topic that if you get two parents in conversation together, it will inevitably come up, particularly 
if they both have young kids, I reckon I'll give it about 15 minutes before someone starts talking about sleep, which is often quite a dull conversation between parents. Yes, yeah, I don't actually care. Is your sleeping? Yeah. yeah mine, I don't no. care if there's sleeping or not. Yeah, I know. And, but you still <laughs> I pretend feel, to care. Yeah. Oh, he's not sleeping. Oh, it's a shame. <laughs> not only does it play an integral role in any, any parent's life, it plays an equally important role in our addictions, our sobriety and our recovery. Yep, you're not wrong. Over the course of this episode, we will dreamily guide you through why sleep is important, how it is affected by your alcohol intake and how much it will affect your sobriety. Just had a weird thought. This has got nothing to do with the podcast, but isn't it funny how the biggest nightmare of all is not being able to fall asleep when you're really tired? Yeah. But to have a nightmare, you have to be asleep. Yeah, so it's like a weird it's like a day combo, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'm not really sure what goes on in your tiny little mind, Hamish, but let's go on with the podcast. One of the first benefits that most people noticed in their sobriety is a dramatic improvement in the quality of their sleep. It's a total game changer. But before we delve too far into that specifically, or pacifically, as some people I hate say, let's take a moment to examine the importance of sleep more generally. So I hate to surprise our listeners this early in the podcast, but neither Vic nor I are sleep specialists or neuroscientists. I am actually a neuroscientist, didn't you know? Are you? Yeah, yeah, qualified, got thousands of degrees and all that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Tell me one thing about neuroscience. Something, it's... About, about looking at the brain, isn't it? Yeah, okay, fair enough. You, you do know your shit. <laughs> I stand corrected. As a result, we do a lot of research before each episode in order to come across smarter than we actually are and also save you the trouble doing the research. So here's what we found. Sleep is beneficial for the body and mind. Okay, that is basic. We didn't actually have to research that. Yep. Vic is a neuroscientist. She knew that already. She learned it during one of her degrees. Just in case you're... F- listening to this podcast for the first time i am not a neuroscientist <laughs> to say no there are plenty of podcasts with neuroscientists that they you might, could check out they this, might, isn't it? yeah they might know that already by the <laughs> whitney houston dreams tell us more vic yeah let's start with how it affects the mind sleep services all aspects of your body in one way or another molecular energy balance as well as intellectual function alertness and mood this is more like it sleep helps you think more clearly have quicker reflexes and focus better a loss of it impairs your higher levels of reasoning problem solving and attention to detail god they're not small things those no those are all quite big things yes tired people are also less productive a lack of sleep influences your mood which can affect how you interact with others a sleep deficit over time can even put you at greater risk of developing depression Oh, that doesn't surprise me, Hame, because I know how I feel when I don't get any sleep, especially yeah. when the kids have been up all night. It is really impactful on me. Yeah. Well, I obviously work at this radio station here and the breakfast show, you have to be in the office by 4am. So right. anyone that works on the breakfast show is up at 3am. And I've seen, I've only had to do the shift every now and then, but the guys that do that shift regularly, I've literally watched them deplete yeah okay you know, like it's such a strange i think even getting even getting strange hours they might be getting seven or eight hours although mm. i doubt it but you know my by midday which is when they clock off mm. they are not their best selves mm. you know? cock off. Yeah. <laughs> cock off you mean don't you do i say cock off yeah you did okay. <laughs> all the time they snap it off and head home <laughs> they're not the best version of themselves <laughs> Oh dear, I might add here, although I'm not sure if it is scientifically proven or not, that lack of sleep certainly affects my self-control. My diet is worse when I'm tired and this might be the same for those really struggling in their sobriety. I mean, it affects everything. Interesting. I wonder if 
It's the fact that you sleep badly after drinking or the fact that you're hungover, which means that you eat like crap. I think it's a combination of all of it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Of some of the meals I've had on the hangover. (laughs) Yeah. And the sugary stuff that you eat the next day, that's going to affect your sleep ongoing, isn't it? For sure. Yeah. So sleep affects all parts of our body as well. That's all of it. Sleep affects almost every tissue in our bodies. It affects growth and stress hormones, our immune system, our appetite, our breathing, blood pressure and cardiovascular health. Right. Research shows that a lack of sleep increases the risk of obesity, explains a lot, sure. heart disease and infections. Oh, we are, do get a lot of infections, don't yeah, I, Hamish? you are generally infected. Yeah, yeah. disease-ridden, aren't I? <laughs> yeah. Are you beginning to see the similarities between a lack of sleep and overdrinking? Yeah, it's very clear. I mean, it's affecting everything from what you're saying. Just quickly, Hamish, what is good sleep? Okay, fair question. So most adults require between seven and eight hours of sleep a night. Of course, this is different from one person to another. Teenagers typically require a little more, whilst babies can get a cool 16 hours a day. Lucky babies. I know. I know. And I know what those teenagers, I know why they're tired. Boys especially. Kids, when they sleep during the day, then they don't sleep at night and it just causes Mm. all sorts of problems. I'm desperate for my four-year-old not to sleep during the day at the moment because I know he's exhausted then, but then he's always tired during the day and really grumpy, so he can't win. Are you one of the parents that goes, tip number one for new parents, sleep when the baby sleeps? Mm -hmm. That doesn't work, though. I'm terrible. I can't sleep during the day. Well, it doesn't even work because when the baby sleeps, it's like the only time you have to get all the shit done. And and, and relax for a moment and sit and actually have a moment to yourself. You don't want to sleep in that time. But everyone always says that to you, sleep when the baby sleeps, but it doesn't really work. I did it once. Actually, we did it once two weekends ago. Yeah. Except for two hours in the afternoon. Liz and I were both sick. Okay. So I think I so talked about good, it. Both yeah. of us being sick and parenting is intense. But yeah, we slept for two hours in the afternoon and it was blissful. Okay, that is cosy when it happens. Yeah. If yeah. you can do it, great. If you can do it, it, does do rattle it. me when people give you that advice. Yeah. Like, I would if I could, mate. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah, good night's sleep consists of between four and five sleep cycles. So what's a cycle? Well, each cycle includes a period of deep sleep and rapid eye movement. That's REM sleep, which, which is when we dream. As the night goes on, the portion of that REM sleep gets longer and longer. Gosh, got it. So we know what sleep is and why it's important for us to get enough of it to be our sparkly best selves. But how did it affect us during our drinking years, Hame? Okay, so for me, I would be completely unable to sleep in. So if I got in at four in the morning, Mm. I think, great, I'll just sleep until midday. But I'd wake up at eight and I'd be, weirdly, I I would rarely wake up with a hangover. I'd wake up at eight and I'm like, sweet, I've got Mm. away with it. Oh, that that is, what's the word? Very misleading, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. Because you think, oh my gosh, (laughs) I'm fine, I'm fine. You're just drunk. But then I'd be like a zombie. But, you know, awake and not feeling hungover, but like a zombie until about midday. Mm. Then I'd have a nap and then the hangover would hit. Oh, right. That's, so you get away with it for quite a few yeah. hours. Only, but not always, it wasn't always like that. I think when I first started, wake up hungover. But then from about 20 until I gave up, that was, that was the routine. Wow, gosh. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. No. Um, also, a lot It's of, a bad thing. None of it's good. Yeah, it's true, none of it's true. good. <laughs> but uh, for me, you know, because I was someone that threw up, I spent a lot of my nights out sleeping on loose seats. Like my head hey, on the loose let's go out for a night with Hamish. <laughs> but you know when you're, so you're, imagine the situation. I hope you're listening to this. Actually, there's no good time to listen to this. But you're, you're about to throw up. So your head is on the rim of the loo. Yep. And you throw up and then you're sort of dozing in between. And then you actually fall asleep and you headbutt 
the far side of the Lucy. You had that? I've never had that. I've never fallen oh, asleep on the Lucy. I've had it a lot. Yeah. I've had it a lot. I imagine all the bums that have been there as well. Hopefully just mine and whoever else. I'm not in a public toilet here. Oh, you're not at the pub? Oh, no, no, I'm not in the pub. Okay. I'm falling asleep on the rim of a loo in a pub. This is it back at home. Okay, right. That's yeah. okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also used to get room spin a lot. So Ugh. I would... If I could fall asleep, great. But usually I'd be on one side of my head. It would take me half an hour to like calibrate. And then I'd make the mistake of rolling over. Oh no, the room's going to start again. Take about 45 minutes to stop. So I was constantly trying to be still, but inevitably overheating or needing to roll. You're just reminding me with everything you say, like how like, oh yeah, let's go out drinking. It's fun. But these consequences are massive. You can't lie down without the room spinning. I know, I know. It's bad. And then I think of like a lot of bad places that I've slept whilst drunk. So for us, like a 21st birthday seemed to just come one summer. Everyone seemed to have a 21st birthday party. So everyone would drive there, someone's house, have the party and everyone sleep in their cars. Sleeping in a car in a black tie when you wake up and it's like sunrise and hot and you're hungover and you're, you know, pretty much upright mm. is the worst. I think the worst sleep you can have. Oh, sleeping in a car. I've done good. a lot of camping, woken up in like puddles at music festivals. And I reckon <laughs> sleeping in a car in a black tie is worse. <laughs> Why are you in a black tie? Because they're black tie, these 21st. They're like fancy oh, right, ones. Oh, fancy yeah. ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. Black tie. I know. That's cool. What man. about you? You got some weird drunk sleep stories? Um, well, I always, when I was drinking, I'd have that 3am wake up. So right. I'd go out boozing, get into sort of blackout state, not sure how I got home. Everything was a haze. And then there'd be this point where I'd wake up at three o'clock in the morning to go to the toilet, walk into the bathroom and to down some water or, mm. you know, get my head under the tap. And I would feel really awake because my I would be having heart palpitations. It was kind of like an adrenaline rush, like the alcohol would wear off and suddenly I'd be wide awake. Yeah. And I found it really hard to get back to sleep then. But then when I did... I would go back into a heavy sleep. You know when you wake up with the lines of the sheets all over you? I don't know why sometimes you, like when you're in a really heavy sleep, (laughs) you wake up with the lines of the sheets on your face. I don't really understand why that is. But anyway, it's when you're in a really deep sleep. Um, The worst sleep I ever got throughout my life was the day after a hangover. Yeah. So I'd have the hangover. I'd be up in the morning. I'd be up at that three o'clock. I'd go back to sleep and probably wake up at sort of 10 I'd have the longest day of my life feeling hungover. And then I was getting the fear quite early on the evening because I knew I wouldn't sleep that night. And I would Mm. go to bed and that's when the anxiety would really kick in because I couldn't sleep. And I knew I had to go to work on the Monday. I had stuff to do or look after the kids or whatever. But that was the really bad sleep was 24 hours after the session. Maybe it was that binge eating. Maybe it was on the hangover you're doing crisps and pizza and Coca-Cola. Yeah. Just trying to recover yeah. in, in whatever way I could. Interesting. Nothing worked for me, though, even if I didn't do the binge eating yeah. or anything. Even if I just didn't eat nothing. Often I couldn't eat anything because I was so ill. Mm. It was that night after. Because I think it was a combination of anxiety and dread and also of embarrassment and humiliation. Because by that point, I would have recollected a few things that I'd done the night before. And I would have that thing that I call the fear of not remembering what I've done or like that yeah. hollowness that you get when you're hungover and you've acted out the night before and you feel like you've probably offended someone, but you don't know who that is. So all of that would come back to me by that evening and it would all be spinning around my head, making me paranoid, making me 
me upset and you know I'd be trying to text people is everything okay what was I doing last night so that would all come to a head mm. in the evening so therefore I wouldn't sleep because of that as well so it was the lack of sleep plus all that other stuff yeah. on top drinking alcohol basically gave me really really bad sleep yeah yeah what's the weirdest place you've ever slept I slept on a waltzer once. What's a waltzer? You know, a waltzer at the fair that spins around. Oh, merry-go-round. Yeah, no, like one of those seats, and there's the guy that comes around. He's always some dodgy geezer <laughs> who's trying to get off with you. Okay, yeah. He yeah, wears yeah. slip-on shoes and white socks. <laughs> the, the louder you scream, the faster we'll go. Yeah, 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 yeah. One of those. I slept on one of those. Woke up. Don't know why. Don't didn't even know there was a fair in town. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up at a waltzer. <laughs> once I got cut out of a hammock by a really angry guy. I was asleep in a hammock, and a guy had. I, I woke up to a sound and a guy had chopped the ropes so what? I fell to the ground was so it his? It, yeah it was his he said this is my hammock yeah so on his property? no no I <laughs> broken in I was on a beach in Thailand oh, somebody wild. cut me out of a hammock he could just tap me on the shoulder and yeah. woke me up he probably tried that he probably maybe yeah, did actually yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I slept in someone's garage for a week when I lived in Byron Bay. <laughs> I had something called the Stench Den when I lived at my parents' house. That was their shed. I've done a lot of the shed stench living. Den. Yeah, I called it the Stench that Den because it grim. smelled like a hamster cage. Yeah. I've slept in the Sahara Desert in a nomadic Bedouin's tent before. I got a camel, caught a camel, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> Hitched by the side of the desert. A night out in London, woke up in the Sahara Desert. <laughs> yeah, on a camel. Gave me the hump, Hamish, to say the least. Yeah, I I went to this drumming session in the middle of the Sahara Desert and that made me all paranoid and I couldn't sleep and we'd been drinking the night before. Yeah. Bad combo. It should have been an amazing experience, but I just woke up really paranoid in the middle of the night in the middle of the Sahara Desert. Wow. Not a good look. Probably mm. worse than you and your bow tie in the back of the car. That is bad, yeah. <laughs> And I also slept on a shelf. We've both slept on shelves throughout we our lives. We have both slept yes. on shelves. Where was your shelf? I slept on a shelf in Thailand for about a year. Why? Yeah, with a chicken that lived under my bed called Kevin. Whoa, why? Yeah, just because it was the only place to sleep. I ran a bar, so I just, there was a little shelf there, so I'd just go to yeah. bed on the shelf. That's good. Yeah, see, my shelf was in that bookshop, so I was yes. at Shakespeare and Company bookshop, and I slept over the kids' section. Yeah. I also slept in a cave for a bit in France. <laughs> So a mate, a mate of mine who I was at drama school with didn't want to rent a place during his time there. Yeah. So he went on a bike ride and he found a cave that wasn't too far from our, from our, from our school. So I used to go stay with him a bit and go sleep in his cave. Oh, that's that so funny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think about any other weird places I've slept. I've spent a lot, a lot of my life sleeping on the 137 bus in London, the oh, night yes. bus. Because oh. it either finished at Stressham Hill, Telford Avenue, yeah. my stop, or... It's finished in Crystal Palace. Okay. If I made the mistake of getting the one that finished in Crystal Palace and I fell asleep miles from my house. That's so funny. Yeah, that happened Buses. A lot. I used to pretend to sleep on the train to work. So then when the ticket man would come, yeah. I'd like put a little bit of dribble on the side of my face, yeah. pretend to be asleep so he wouldn't wake me up and then avoid my train yes. ticket price from Reading up to Paddington. That, I reckon everyone has got a story like that. <laughs> Pretending to be full. There's no way they fall for it as well. Yeah. You're going to dribble and you're snoring. I know. You, know, you overplay it. Well, You've got an eye get mask on. on. Yeah. You get on and then straight away you're like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people opposite him are like, what are they doing? They must fall asleep very quickly. <laughs> oh, it's funny, hey? We get loads of emails here at Sober Awkward asking where to start, how to take your first steps into sobriety. I remember that feeling too. I knew there was something going on with me, but I had no idea where to turn. But luckily things have changed in the last five years. And now there's an incredible course especially designed for women like me. This is where the wonderful Sarah Rusbatch comes in. 
Sarah is an expert in grey area drinking. She's supported thousands of women to successfully change their relationship with alcohol. Sarah's April Challenge is available to women all over the world and is designed to educate, inspire, support and guide you in long-term change around your drinking. You'll be doing the course alongside women that feel like you do and like I did back then. You'll make lifelong friends who'll be there to cheer you on. Sarah's course covers a huge range of female-related subject matters, such as alcohol and menopause, alcohol and friendships, alcohol and sex, and of course, alcohol and anxiety, which is something I suffered from. To ensure you don't miss out on Sarah's April challenge, head to her website, sarahrusbatch.com. The obvious question to ask is why does alcohol affect our sleep and how many drinks do you have to have in order for your sleep to be affected? Oh, good question. Mm. A lot of people fall into the trap of having a few drinks in order to help them fall asleep. This is particularly common during long haul overnight flights or whilst camping or at least at a music festival as tent sleeping is often much less comfortable than sleeping in a bed to say the least. For sure. Now the logic behind this is not totally mad. Alcohol is a central nervous system depressant that causes brain activity to slow down. So it does have sedative effects that can induce feelings of relaxation and sleepiness. The issue is not in the falling asleep. It's what happens next. Okay, this is heavy stuff. This does get heavy. Hold after, on. Okay, I'll probably stumble over my words. Yeah. <laughs> after a person consumes alcohol, got this, listen, ears pricking up, mm. the substance is absorbed into your bloodstream. Okay, that's that's easy. Okay, enzymes in the liver eventually metabolise the alcohol, but because this is fairly slow process, excess alcohol will continue to circulate throughout your body. As liver enzymes metabolise the alcohol during the night and the blood alcohol level decreases, we are also more likely to experience sleep disruptions and decreases in sleep quality. Okay. Do you Oof. understand that? That was a bit. That was a bit much. It I was. can simplify it. Go on. And I, I'm not a scientist like you, unfortunately. So I'll just give it out the way that I understand it for the muggles listening. Go on. Basically, your body has to work all night to break down the alcohol. So whereas you think you're asleep and resting, your body's in overdrive, which is why we wake up feeling tired. Okay, exactly. So you're passed out, perhaps. Yeah. Like you actually, the alcohol has made you anaesthetized. So therefore you're passed out, but actually your body is functioning really, really hard, which that's is it. what your hangover is to try and get rid of that toxin that's in there. Well done for saying anaesthetized. Thank you very much. My, Liz cannot say that word. No, it isn't. She it's tries and tries. Weird how often it comes up and she tries and tries, can't, she cannot say it. I think there's a few words I can't say. Um, there's one word I can't remember, which I, funny enough, okay. I can't tell you what <laughs> it is because I don't know what it is. <laughs> she did, yesterday we were watching, um, this is always something you do hungover, but she wasn't hungover. She woke up at 3.30 with yeah. Sunny and she watched the best Britain's Got Talent auditions oh, ever on those, YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, Golden buzzers. Really emotional. Yeah. yeah, love those. And one of them, she told me, was a transviloquist. Transviloquist? What's yeah. that? It's a ventriloquist. Oh. <laughs> Oh, it's quite sweet, really. It's quite sweet, isn't it? <laughs> Remember what we taught you about REM sleep cycles and how these get longer throughout the night? The opposite is true after drinking booze. That's right. So since alcohol is a sedative, it often takes you less long to fall into a deep sleep. As the night progresses, this can create an imbalance between slow wave sleep and REM sleep. As your REM sleep decreases rather than increases throughout the night, your overall sleep quality is poor and you often sleep less long and with more sleep interruptions. Surely this wouldn't be affected by just one glass of wine or beer, would it, Hamish? 
actually, Vic, and I hate to say this because people will be holding on to this. Yeah. Even one drink affects your sleep quality. So I found a 2018 study which compared sleep quality among subjects who consume different amounts of alcohol. And here is what I found. Okay, so low amounts of alcohol, that's fewer than two servings per day for men or one serving per day for women, decreases sleep quality by 9.3%. Okay, wow. Almost 10% for one drink. Gosh. Moderate amount of alcohol, so two drinks a day for a man or one for a woman. They're starting to say none though now, which is changing a little bit, especially in in Canada. They've changed the rules to actually none is better. So yeah, Yeah. moderate amounts of alcohol, sleep quality decreases by 24%. And high amounts of alcohol, that's probably most of us, at least back in the day. So that's more than two servings a day or more than one serving a day for, for a woman decreases sleep quality by 39.2%. That doesn't surprise me because I know how alcohol used to make me feel Mm. and it used to make me feel quite hyper and very awake and very alert. For some people it's drowsy, but I used to be like this level of of heightened alertness when I first started drinking and I would become more sort of wobbly and hazy throughout the night. But I know how alcohol made me feel and I can just imagine what that's doing Mm. to my body and my heartbeat and everything that's going on in there. Given the fact that most of us give up drinking have probably reached a point where we would be considered high consumers of alcohol, it's perhaps not surprising that we immediately notice this increase in our sleep quality. According to this, it'll be 39.2% better immediately. That's like a few hours of your night. If you usually sleep eight hours... 40% 40% of eight hours, Vic, you know the answer to that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, imagine just losing like two of those hours are completely pointless. That's why people feel amazing in early sobriety because the first time they're getting a good night's sleep. I do think if you asked a hundred, we should have done this on Kappa, if you ask a hundred people what the best thing about going sober was in that first month, I reckon 90 of them yeah. would say sleep. I think so too. Better sleep. Yeah. It comes up a lot. Yeah. We're okay talking about sleep quality with newly sober people, hmm. but new parents... Bored. Not interested. So bored. <laughs> ah. For me, so when I first gave up, the impact was because I Sunny had just been born. Really, I think Sunny was a month or two old when I was gave up booze. I felt like I wasn't as tired as I should have been. Mm. I was waking up four or five times a night, um, but I w- I wasn't a zombie all day, which I'm sure I would have been had I still been drinking. Yeah, because I, I was actually always someone that needed a lot of sleep. You know, when I when I don't get enough sleep, I basically go mute. I, I feel frustrated or like I would have a short fuse. And because I hate conflict so much, mm. I just don't say anything. Okay. And actually, I was kind of like an anxiety that I had during the pregnancy was like, oh, my God, what am I going to be like? I know what I'm like on minimal sleep. Okay. Are we going to bicker more? Is yes. that going to be like, am I going to be not fun to be around? Yeah. So I remember actually worrying about it quite a lot. And I think a lot of people probably do in the build up to that. So if you just time your sobriety with the birth of your child, like yeah. I did, oh, yeah. it does take care of a lot of that anxiety. And I, yeah, I think that at least one parent should be sober during those early years. Obviously, ideally both would be. Yeah. But given the fact that the lady has been like sober for nine or 10 months, I feel like the onus lands on the man. Like men, if you're listening, you should be sober for at least the first 10 months of your child's life. Yes. Your wife or girlfriend or whoever's just done a stint, now it's your turn. Because yeah. if, if both of you are drinking, then there's issues. You're going to sleep through his, his or her cries. If there's an emergency, you can't drive to the hostel. We've covered a few of these in the past. Yeah. But yeah, I think at least one of, the pe- one of the people in the relationship needs to not drink during early stages of life. Totally agree. And 
preferably, seeing as this is a sober, awkward podcast, neither of you will go back to drinking and you'll just be sober forever and it'll be wonderful. Well, I reckon anyone that goes nine months sober, see, like I'm currently... What am I now? July, yeah. I don't know how many months I'm around. You Maybe must eight. be seven, I'm probably eight. about that, yeah. yeah. And I reckon once you've gone for this long, yes. I imagine it's difficult to go back. I, I, I can't imagine have you having, or anyone I know, I don't know, having that first drink and thinking, mm. oh, this is okay. It'd be yeah. an interesting stat. I guess a lot of people give up for a month, like they do a January or July and then go back. But I wonder if the longer you go, the less likely it is that you definitely, go Definitely, I, I would think say. there must be yeah, a, some sort of scale for Yeah, that. because you just feel so amazing and you feel so happy and your sleep's better and your skin's better and it, your life is better. So then it's like, oh, well, why would I do this? And then also because you've educated yourself about the impact it's having socially, mentally, mm. physically and all of those things, then you start to think, well, why would I do that again? Yeah. But we've talked about that and we'll, we'll have an update on your sobriety maybe in a couple of episodes' time yeah. to find out exactly what's going on with you. I think we do a 300 days check Okay, perfect. I think that's what we're going to do. What about you? How have you noticed your sleep improved since going sober? It, it has improved a hundredfold because alcohol made me not sleep well, so therefore that caused anxiety, which made me quit in the end. Of course, all of that paranoia and all those feelings which I talked about earlier are actually what made me quit. So my lack of sleep was making me unwell during Mm -hmm. that period. And now I sleep really well. Of course, there are interruptions and there's kids getting up, but it's not me lying in bed dying. I can cope with my kids getting up and giving them a cuddle and, and helping put them back to sleep. Those things are doable. I mean, it's not perfect. And sometimes I do wake up really, really tired and that does affect my mood, but it's better than me lying in bed feeling like death, basically. During that period when I was drinking and parenting and waking up in the night, it was awful, Hamish. It was like one of the worst times of my life and it really did risk my mental health. And so no sleep plus a hangover, it meant with a crying baby as well, Mm. it meant that I got really no sleep at all. So you can imagine after all that we've just read here about how it affects your sleep quality, just one drink, imagine that. No sleep, plus a baby, Mm. plus all that alcohol in my system. It was completely fucking me over. So now I am a much, much happier sleeper and I know that it affects my life hugely. I can't think of many worse things. I've said this before, but yeah, being hungover with a baby, like, oh, I can't imagine that. No, I can't, there, there can't be many things worse as a parent. Obviously, your parent, get, your child gets sick or something awful happens, but being hungover and someone screaming at you and pooing on you, it's oh, pretty bad, isn't it? Really bad. At three in the morning. Oh, terrible. Yeah. Vic, can you please introduce us to Vic on no sleep? Okay, so what are you like after zero sleep or after drunk sleep in comparison to you today? Well, the difference is an ogre Mm. to a pretty normal, chill person. Okay. If I don't get any sleep, I am horrible. It's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I love life if I have a good sleep. I hate life if I've had a nasty night. Mm -hmm. So it's really clear. John knows if I've had a bad night. I have something called my prickly nights. Okay, good. Good. I like the fact you phrased it. Yeah, like, no, I've, I get prickly at night sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like my skin feels prickly. I don't know what it is, whether it's hormonal or I have no idea. But I have to often get up and shave my legs. I think that's probably what it is. <laughs> so that's John's what we're doing like, at three in the morning in the bathroom. Yeah, John yeah. finds me in the bathroom at three o'clock in the morning shaving my legs. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm having a prickly night. 
<laughs> yeah, my body feels all like zappy and stuff. And it's really when I'm hot as well. Yeah. It's like a combination of a few things make me have, even if the kids don't wake up, there's sometimes some nights where I just have a really bad night's mm. sleep. John knows on those days, if it's a weekend, to take the kids out in the afternoon, even if I just go and lie down. I'm not a good day sleeper just to sleep it off because he knows it's worth it for him to have the kids for yeah. a couple of hours for me to kind of try and feel a bit better and be a bit more compass mentis because mm -hmm. if my head's wobbly and I haven't had enough sleep, I am grumpy. It's as yeah. simple as that. When you say you're grumpy, what does that look like? Is it short-tempered with the kids? Is it yep. you know, like not putting in enough effort what what does you grumpy mean it just means i can't cope with anything that's going on mm. i can't make decisions i can't go to the shops because i don't know what to buy like it's like my brain has been mashed and i don't know who i am anymore yeah. it's really severe yeah, yeah yeah if i've had no sleep you do not want to be around me okay that i that i can relate to so for me no sleep i the decision making for sure mm. you know you look at your friend you go what should we watch? Like that, yeah. what should yeah. we watch? And then you just watch 35 trailers of films. Yes. And then you're like, it's been two hours, just do something else. Yeah. That I get a lot. And also I get complete lack of motivation. Mm. So, and you know, it's often on a Sunday after drinking, you know, maybe a Friday night or Saturday night, Sunday, you got work the next day and I've got zero drive. I can't, you know, what does it really matter? It's only my career, you know, <laughs> like I've, I'm that quite a lot. Oh, that's like, funny. Does it matter? You know, it's only meeting the right person in your life and <laughs> settling down big things you can't be bothered to yeah do just can't be asked yeah. i get that quite a lot and then for me big time the self-control goes so eating poorly just you're not putting in the effort you know if, if i have to call someone i know they're waiting for a call i can't be asked to give them a call yeah. you know just just really lethargic and yes. quiet yeah that is me yeah i can't imagine you go, i can imagine you going quiet i don't really imagine you going grumpy i think no. there's some guilt involved as well like because i if i am grumpy then i might shout at the kids which i hate yeah and then i feel bad about myself and then it's just like this kind of negative circle of horribleness mm. see i, I hate bury, being tired I bury the grump so yeah. i i would not come across grumpy but only because I'm dealing with it internally in Oh, silence. that's almost worse. It is worse. It's probably better to shout. It is worse, yeah. for sure. But Liz quite likes it because Liz, Liz is like, we never have lazy days. I don't know if British, other British people that live here in Australia or somewhere else hot, yeah. no matter how long they've lived in that country, still look at like look out the window on, on the weekend, it's sunny and go, we have to be outside. Yes, Let's do things. Because yes, yeah. in England, it's not sunny often. So no. when it's sunny, you're out and like making the most of the day. Yeah. And I still have that now. So if I have a day where I'm like unbelievably tired, Liz is like, sweet, we can finally just sit on the sofa all day. Or like yesterday, for example, we cooked all day and actually have an inside day. Mm. Because I haven't, I've been here five years and I haven't caught up to the fact I live on the Sunshine Coast. It it's sunny. sunny all the time. It is sunny all the time. You can have days in. Yeah, I, I'm the same. I mean, we don't. We very. We used to have cosy nights when I was little, growing mm. up, where my mum and dad would go and buy loads of sweets, and we'd have a cosy night, and we'd just sit and eat sweets all night and watch yeah. movies. Yeah. I used to look forward to it. Yeah. But now you're not really allowed to eat stuff your face with sweets or stuff your children yeah. with sweets, and we don't have cosy nights because it's not cold enough. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Things change when you move country, but it is sunny here all the time. So like, I can understand why you feel like you need to be outside all the time. It's weird that once you get to the age where really you could eat sweets all the time, now you don't. Yeah. Remember when you're a kid, you're like, when I'm older, I'm just going to eat sweets <laughs> all the time. That is what yeah. adulthood looks like. And you get to adulthood, yeah, you eat some sweets sometimes. I never thought I'd stop recording the top 40. I was like, when I grow up, yeah. I will never stop recording my favourite songs. And the Straight 
off the radio straight onto off cassette. The, yeah, onto yeah. a cassette. Pushing, and trying to stop it before Yeah, the pushing record <laughs> and play at the same time. And then just before the radio announcer says, oh, yes, it's quick. Yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> we could sit here and talk all day about the benefits of better sleep in our lives, not just as parents, but as functioning humans. This is not just a question of being someone that really values your sleep. This is about being someone that has the ability to operate at full capacity mentally and physically. Something you might be less aware of is the role that sleep plays in maintaining your sobriety. Since sleep and addiction have a complex two-directional relationship, research has shown that people with insomnia or other sleep problems are at higher risk of developing a drug or alcohol addiction. Yeah, that's what I like about this episode. So if you're currently drinking, you need to learn about sleep because you're getting bad sleep. If you're newly sober, sleep's going to be really important to staying sober. And later we'll talk about sleep's role in people who relapse. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it sort of covers all bases. Yeah. It does make sense to people that have sleep problems become addicted to various things because a lot of people look at drugs to help fix a lack of sleep. Yeah, we definitely. Go, okay, well, I'll start drinking so I can fall asleep quicker or marijuana or sleeping pills. But the flip, flip side of that is that then during the day you're drowsy and then people look for different drugs to stay awake or stay active during the day. So it's it's kind of a slippery slope. It is a it? slippery slope. I mean, I know people that have given up drinking and because they're used to sort of numbing themselves out in the evening and, and going to sleep easily, they are then going towards sobriety but looking at a prescription pill yeah. addiction because they're using the pills to get themselves to sleep and then they become reliant upon that. So, yeah, don't put anything in your body is our advice. But <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. But that is actually important to, to say well, as much as we're talking about the benefits of sleep once you go sober, it doesn't happen immediately for everyone. Not for everyone, no. We can't cover every single person in the whole world. All we can do is tell you our stories yes. and, and tell you what happened to us and say that, yeah, of course, you know, getting a pill addiction after having an alcohol addiction isn't the best thing to do, of course. Sure. Being sleep deprived also has been shown to lead to cognitive impairments. That explains a lot with me, Hamish. Mm. Like increased impulsivity, that's me getting a biscuit, poor judgment, eating 10 of them, <laughs> irritability, <laughs> being grumpy afterwards because I'm on a sugar come Being down. annoyed you haven't got 11. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All of which can lead to an increase in consumption or a relapse, of course. In fact, people recovering from alcohol addiction are twice as likely to relapse if they're not getting sound sleep every night. Twice as likely to relapse twice. if you're getting bad sleep. Yep. That is a crazy stat. But it's not all bad news. Every coin has two sides, said someone, probably, somewhere. Yes. Sounds like a saying. Yeah, I think that is true. Also, I just, I'm just going to think very quickly. I advise anyone who is going sober, save the money that you would have spent on booze and buy some good pillows, yeah. some good sheets, some really nice like thousand thread sheets. You can get them cheap on sale. Mm -hmm. I got some down at Spotlight the other week yeah. on sale. And having... Making your bed a sort of cosy land of loveliness is going to be a really good thing for you to do in your sobriety to make yourself comfortable, make that sleep a bit easier. I do have a theory that there is no amount of money that is too much to spend on a pillow. I agree. I agree. You spend with you. eight hours a day on it. 
Yeah. There is nothing else in your life that you're spending eight hours a day on. Yeah. If it's a hundred pounds, yes. it's still worth it. It is still worth you're it. You're going to have it for like, I don't know when, I don't know when pillows get old. I, don't I think it's, like a, it's supposed to be like a year, I think. Okay, then a hundred pounds is too much. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take that back. <laughs> yeah. No one changes their pillows every year. No, though, do they? No. You just change them when they get those gobby yellow stains on them. What are they? I don't know. They cannot get rid of that weird yellow stain that's gone through two dribble? pillowcases. Is it dribble? Not all of it can be dribble. <laughs> I don't think I dribble, but no. I definitely have those yellow stains fake after tan, a few. Fake yeah. tan it's not fake tan. I don't wear fake tan. <laughs> no, no, no. It's the it's the horrible well, pillow uh, maybe monster. Maybe it's eye goop. Oh, whatever it is, <laughs> throw that away because <laughs> it's not good, is it? No. Invest in bedding. It's a good idea. Yes. Yeah. Getting good sleep at night is one of the most important things you can do for your recovery. Although it might not happen straight away, as your body might be experiencing withdrawal of some kind, it will come eventually. And it is blissful when it does. If you are newly sober and your sleep hasn't improved yet, don't panic. There is plenty of help out there. So just ask a professional and get rid of those weird brown dribbly pillows. Yeah. It's a cycle that can work for your benefit. Once you've broken out of the cycle of poor sleep, mental health problems and addiction, your body will have an easier time regulating sleep. You'll no longer have substances or withdrawals that keep you awake at night. And getting restful sleep every night will improve your mental health, which will in turn decrease your desire to use drugs and alcohol in the first place. This is the promised land. Gosh, yeah, that is such good advice, Hamish. So what have we learned? Very little, probably, that we have to change our pillows get that new sheets place, yeah, buy yeah. sheets yeah <laughs> buy sheets that's what we've learned buy sheets we always imagine that the things that we go away and we research are actually common knowledge to you guys in our heads you're all geniuses who already know all this and you're just giggling away about our naivety yeah it's just two morons on a podcast yeah talking about things that everybody else knows apart from us yeah that's it <laughs> we find it interesting and enlightening but you all know that you should change your that's pillows it. once a year people listen to us like charity We're like yeah. oh look at these people trying their best just <laughs> regurgitating things that your common knowledge <laughs> <laughs> we hope you've learned a little about how sleep works the ways in which it affects all aspects of our lives how even the smallest amount of alcohol will impact the quality of sleep we get and how important it is to your recovery not to mention the fact that it will be high on the list of best things about being sober just ask anyone finish with a quote or two yeah i had some fun researching these okay so i was going to finish by sharing some of my weird and wild dreams but you sort of covered that at the start and i don't want to go there okay with you with my uh, whitney yeah i'll tell you off off mic but here are some quotes I've got. I've got, uh, what I get? I've got four or five, which I, and I, do, I probably narrowed it down from 10. And these okay, are there's going to be five. loads of sleep quotes yeah, on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want me to read the first one? Please do. A good laugh and a long sleep are the best cures in the doctor's book. Sure. Uh, a day without a nap is like a cupcake without frosting. Mm, fair. Yeah. I love sleep. My life has a tendency to fall apart when I'm awake. That's Ernest Hemingway. Yeah. So you know it's legit. There is no sunrise so beautiful that it is worth waking me up to see it. I don't get I don't get that one. So she values her sleep more than she values beautiful sunrises. Yeah. Good old Mindy Okay, you're the, you're the naive one. Okay, I'm the smart one of the two here. <laughs> oh no, I see it. I just think, oh, it's not really a saying, it's just something you think in your brain. Okay, fair enough. Sorry. <laughs> I came up with these, you can tell. <laughs> she doesn't need to put it on the internet. She just, can just think just it. Let Mindy... I don't know think about quotes. Just think them. <laughs> Is that how we end every every episode? Well, there's some quotes. There you go. Just think of a few to yourselves. 
<laughs> Just think of a quote. See you later. <laughs> I've got one more that should probably also... It's by Anonymous. They should have just kept it in their brain as well, probably. I'm so good at sleeping that I can do it with my eyes closed. That's a bit of fun. (laughs) No, just think it. Just think it. You're doing the quotes on the next episode. Uh, You should have seen the ones I cut from the list. I think we should just think this podcast as well. We'll just do an hour. We'll just do an hour. People can treat it like meditation. Staring into each other's eyes, just thinking stuff. (laughs) That's a lot easier for us to record. It's so much better, yeah. Not a lot of research. No, no, but I'll do the research still, but just think about what I've learned. And hope that the listeners get it. I'll just do a video of me glaring into a camera. For an hour. (laughs) Like like a sort of fucked up guru. Thanks. Thanks for okay, listening, guys. Uh, anyway. <laughs> go away. Go away yeah. and have thoughts. Go away and think about your lives. <laughs> if you're questioning your relationship with booze, you're struggling to moderate, or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for some support. Yeah, just talk to a mate about how you're feeling, contact a local doctor, find an AA or sobriety group. fix has got one. Yeah, just head to www.cupper.community. Remember, if you're questioning yourself, it might be time to seek support. Even though this journey can be awkward, it is definitely worth it. And if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to review it, rate it and share it with your mates. Do they have to share it with their mates? Yeah, of course they do. I'm not doing this for nothing, Hamish. Bloody hell. How do they share it? Hi there. I wanted to tell you about a podcast that I think every single one of you will benefit from. It's called Therapy Works and it's hosted by me, Julia Samuel. I'm a best-selling author and psychotherapist. I invite you into my therapy room where I speak to either a known or unknown guest. Topics range from the difficulties of divorce, a life-changing illness, to the struggles of motherhood. Search Therapy Works now wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The secret to summer ready skin is here. Osea's number one best selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. Thank you. 
So, as you probably know, my comedy memoir, A Thousand Wasted Sundays, is officially out. All my magnificent fuck-uppery in one awkward hit. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy, it's now available from all good bookstores. We always say all good bookstores, don't we? Yeah. Are, there, are there bad bookstores? No, it's probably ones with moody, moody what? sellers. Oh, yeah, really yeah. depressed librarian folk. Yes, yes, okay, yeah, good, good. yeah. So there are probably some, but we're only storing it in the good ones. It's only made it into the goodies. Yeah. You can also get it from all good online retailers. The print version and ebook are out now, and the audiobook will be available in March. I've been writing my memoir for five years. It will make you laugh, cry and cringe and hopefully inspire a few people to reconsider their relationship with booze. If you love the podcast, then I think you'll love the book, even if I do say so myself. Hamish has read it. What did you think? I feel like I know a little bit too much about you now, to be honest, Vic. Look, I really loved it. It was hilarious and surprisingly moving, but I feel like I've seen you naked in a literary sense. Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, that's worrying. Yeah. yeah. From an emotional point of view, seriously, it wobbled my teeny-weeny wooden heart, Vic. Okay. <laughs> my teeny little wooden heart. Well, his, teeny little, his wooden heart is broken. Anyway, so if you do manage to get your filthy mitts on a copy, please do me a favour and head to goodreads.com and give me a review. Doing that will help me get it out there to those that need a bit of sober support. So there you have it. My story, unwanted warts and all. Come and get awkward with me. Not to be too demanding or anything, but seriously, go and buy it Yeah, now. go and buy it. Go and buy it right now. Yeah, don't just tell your friends. Buy it and then buy your friends one or two. Yeah, yeah, don't give them a copy. Yeah. Buy it, yeah. And you know what? Don't be careful where you store it. If you lose it, you can always buy another yeah, five. Yeah, buy another one. Yeah. <laughs> 